evidence and answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. On July 1st, 2019, a renowned Christian apologist went home to be with the Lord. His name, Dr. Norman Geisler. Dr. Geisler has mentored and inspired many of the contenders of the faith that serve currently, including our own host, Dr. Pat Zukran. Today's broadcast will be a little different as Pat and his guest, Doug Potter, talk about the life, ministry, and personal experiences they had with their mentor, Dr. Norman Geisler. We hope you enjoy this show. Now, here's our host, Pat Zukran. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Well, today is a special show. At the time of this taping, we have just laid to rest the body of Dr. Norman Geisler, one of the great apologists and defenders of the faith in this generation. He was a tremendous scholar, a mentor to many and to many a friend. His contribution to evangelical Christianity was immense, as many of you may know. If you're in the arena of apologetics or have read anything about apologetics, you know the name of Dr. Norman Geisler. He mentored men such as Ravi Zacharias, Joe Holden, our guest Doug Potter, myself, and many more. So today, we would like to take time to remember and to reflect upon the life of Dr. Geisler. And to share his life story and experience with us is Doug Potter, a close colleague and friend of Dr. Geisler. Doug Potter was one of the first to graduate from the doctoral program there at Southern Evangelical Seminary. He serves for many years there as the registrar and assistant professor of apologetics and theology. So, Doug, thanks for being with us on this uh, special show here at Evidence and Answers. Absolutely, Pat. It's great to be with you. And yes, it is a very sad time for many of us, but at the same time, we rejoice that uh, Dr. Geiser has lived uh, such a faithful life and he has gone on to his reward and knows his Savior, and I just take heart in that. Thank you uh, so much for doing this program. Yes, Doug, you've written many books with Dr. Norman Geisler. You've worked with him and studied under him for many years, so thanks for sharing some insights with us. But tell us, you know, the significance of Dr. Geisler and his contribution to the evangelical Christian community glad to. It, it's really huge, and, and it's even hard to, uh, to take in uh, how much he has done uh, over the years. But I remember um, starting as a student uh, back in 1994 uh, here at Southern Evangelical Seminary, and I remember him talking about what apologetics was like when he kind of got into the field, uh, burst into it in the 1950s. And two things he kind of emphasized. One, um, the apologetics that existed then when he just started in the evangelical community was either very scholarly. Um, there were some books he mentioned, like Stuart Hackett's The Resurrection of Theism, but it's a very dense book and really only intended for scholars. Or what was going on at the lay level was just very incomplete. It lacked. It may have been uh, something only in evidential apologetics, apologetics uh, centering in on the resurrection, and it, it lacked a theistic apologetic. Um, and so it wasn't complete. And I think that if I could pinpoint uh, one thing that he really brought to the evangelical com 
community was to actually combine those together. A lot of people have described, and I think they're right on, that Dr. Geyser is a cross between Thomas Aquinas and Billy Graham. And he merges those two together, especially in apologetics, as other subjects as well, but especially in apologetics. And so he was able to bring the scholarly down to the lay level and have them meet and give something that is understandable to a lay audience, not only understandable in the sense of them just comprehending it, but something they can actually put in their back pocket and go out and use it when they do evangelism. That when someone raises an objection, he's got answers that, again, combine the scholarly uh, with the complete or robust uh, Christian apologetic. And I think that's what he did for the Christian community that is just long-lasting. And as you mentioned in your intro, um, thousands, if not tens of thousands of students have been impacted, and anybody that does apologetics today has certainly been impacted by him. Yes, you know, he used to always say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf, you know, and indeed that's what he did. And, you know, I was introduced to Dr. Geisler. I came to Christ as a high schooler, and I was pretty much illiterate. You know, I didn't like reading it. Yeah. I had never read a book until I was 18 years old. I got through by, you know, cheating and asking friends what's on the test. <laughs> and so when I came to Christ at a tiny little Baptist church, the next day I went to the school priest, who I think was an atheist or a uh, very liberal, and I shared with him that I had heard the gospel of Christ and all of this. And he just kind of laughed and he said, well, I don't take it seriously. You know, if it makes you happy, good for you. But, you know, all religions are fine. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you believe. And I was just completely shocked. And I was going around the church looking for answers and I I didn't get any. And I was about to walk away from the faith when someone gave me a book on apologetics by Paul Little. And that was my introduction to this wonderful world of apologetics, you know, but then a Christian college came recruiting to our high school and I had never heard of a Christian college before. And so I begged and pleaded with my dad to let me go to this Christian college. And I got there and it was liberal once again. And so I got more the same as I had in high school, but this time it was more sophisticated and I needed more. And that's when I came across Dr. Norman Geisler and his books. And as you said, being that I wasn't a very scholarly person, but yet I could understand the things that he wrote and it gave me the kind of information and insight I needed to engage, you know, the ideas on the university campus that were really dismantling to many believers in Christ. But uh, like you said, it was very high level brought down to a way that we could really understand the arguments and evidences and the reasons for our faith in Christ. I I agree completely. I I had a very similar experience of it being brought down so that I can understand it. And he wrote a book called When Skeptics Ask in 1990. And I think if if your listeners really want to start out and see what he was able to do, and they're just starting out on apologetics, that is a fantastic book to get a hold of. It really helped me as I was very early in my college career in in the 1990s. That just solidified bringing all the questions that were important and, and all the arguments that were important and just gave me a lot of material to do teaching and to do apologetics and to also incorporate that into my evangelism. Yes, that was one of the books for me as well. In fact, I had him autograph it uh, when I finally tracked him down back there in the mid-80s. You know, he was a, a giant in the world of apologetics and also theology. So tell us about his contribution, you know, to the world of, of Christian apologetics. 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the things you said earlier is, is important to remember. Just about anybody doing apologetics today has been influenced by him, whether they know it or not. Because uh, I was just recently listening to a very well-known Christian apologist that made a distinction between belief in and belief that, and I said, oh, I know where you got that. And he didn't give the credit to Dr. Geyser for it, but I know he was influenced by that, and he's right for using it, and Norm would applaud him for that. So many out there doing apologetics just have been influenced by him, whether they recognize it or not coming directly from him. But I think his, his one of the biggest contributions he has to the world of biblical apologetics is really the way he, he gave us really a comprehensive case for Christianity, what he would call offensive apologetics, that is building a case. And of course, um, your readers may be familiar with the 12 points that show Christianity is true. I think that is one of the hallmark contributions of him. It is something people can remember. It's something that people can uh, use in their own teaching. It is something that uh, he put out there for them to really solidify what apologetics is in terms of making a case from ground zero that that truth exists, uh, that truth is knowable, uh, all the way to the fact of Jesus, uh, his resurrection, uh, and also uh, with respect to what Jesus taught about the Bible is just a comprehensive case uh, for Christianity. And then the, the other side of it that I think he gave is the defensive side. He was a master at being able to answer questions in very succinct but but also a systematic manner. Uh, he would uh, just be able to get to the heart of the question, the heart of the matter, show what was good in the question, perhaps even show what, what presuppositions might be bad with respect to asking such a question, and then just give an answer that the person receiving the answer would just be able to completely understand. His, his writing and speaking style was so condensed and systematic and, and memorable that it was just a really treat to, to have him answer your question. Uh, whatever it was and, and whatever it involved. And I think that uh, uh, these are recorded for us in many of his books and many of his talks, and that is just an unbelievable uh, gift and contribution that he's he's made to the world of Christian apologetics. Yes, and I think, you know, also his debates, he was one of the few guys out there during his time out there debating some of the top skeptics and opponents of Christianity in the world and really, for many of us, brought credibility to Christianity you know, on the academic campus, you know, once again. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're exactly right. Um, he debated many atheists on many different topics. It wasn't it wasn't like he did them all on the existence of God. He would debate creation and evolution. Um, even even some of his debates were, were on whether creationism should be taught in the public schools, on ethical issues. So he, he did many of these debates. And, and I'll tell you, from the standpoint, I remember him telling me when he retired from his debate, circuit. He basically retired because of how much preparation there was involved in doing a debate. He really had a philosophy that there are a lot of good debaters out there, a lot of good Christians out there debating uh, today, but he was uh, he was meticulous in his preparation for debates. He really felt and strongly believed, and he emphasized this to me many times, that he wanted to read everything that his opponent had written before he goes in to debate them. And whatever issue or topic was brought up, even if it wasn't relevant to the issue uh, of the debate, he would answer the person or give an answer to the audience with regards to what was brought up. He really felt strongly about that, that the Christian had to take the high ground in the debate and uh, answer whatever was thrown at him and do it succinctly and, and do it as well as he could. And basically, he really felt that if he could do that and address the debate 
topic that was at hand that the Christian really had an obligation to answer everything that was thrown at him in order to win the debate and, and to uh, give the audience a feeling that Christianity was indeed credible. Yes, you know, what drove Dr. Geisler to study, to debate, to write his many books was not a desire for fame and to be known, but really it was a passion to defend God's Word and really evangelism, to reach the lost. That's really what drove him. He had a heart, uh, his heart broke to know that there were lost people out there who didn't know Christ. And, you know, how did you see that, you know, that passion exemplified in his life? Oh, yeah. It, it was there all the time. Um, he, you're exactly right. His motive was not selfishness or, or seeking his own fame. In fact, he, he many times shunned that aspects of it. He, he realized there was a consequence of, of being well-known and, and being famous, no doubt, that he couldn't do anything about. But his passion very much was to uh, reach the lost, and he had a heart for that, and he had a desire and passion to do that. And it didn't matter whether he was on TV or, or in some documentary or whatever, or it was just a, a lowly student, well, one person needing an answer, his, his answer and his comprehensiveness and his love uh, came through with regards to, and his passion, as you mentioned, uh, came through with, with whatever uh, he did or whatever he was doing. When I was a student, I saw him just with, with a tremendous work ethic with regards to preparing for class, and he loved to teach, and he loved his students. And uh, he would spend just about all day at at work, whether it involved writing or doing administrative duties, which he did not like very much at all, but he knew that they had to be done. His passion was to his students and his teaching. And then he would teach at night. I mean, he would literally put in more than your eight hours, uh, sometimes as many as 12 hours, because he, was work, he would work all day at SES during the day as, as an administrator, teacher, or academic dean, and then, and then he would, would teach at night two and sometimes three days a week. And it's just a tremendous work ethic with, with respect to what he was doing and passion to get it done. And then the other thing I would say is that he had a tremendous uh, travel schedule as well in terms of traveling around the country and speaking wherever he was invited to speak, he would go. And that obviously took preparation and time out of his schedule as well. And also understand that I'm, I'm looking at him probably from the 1990. 95 on era. I, I obviously did not know him before that, but I'm, I'm certain that he had very similar uh, work ethic. And then you just look at the amount that he has written, professionally published, and articles and chapters and, and things like that. It's just tremendous. Yes, you know, I remember him coming out here to Hawaii to help me out as we began our Evidence and Answers conference here back in the early 2000s. And I remember there was, I think he was a pastor or a priest, just an obnoxious guy, you know, challenging Dr. Geisler. And the way he said it, I, I want to just kick the guy out. But uh, wow, I saw Dr. Geisler sit down with this guy and dialogue with him and calmly, you know, explain things to this guy. And at the end, you know, they shook hands and, and the guy was happy that he had dialogue. But at the beginning, gosh, this guy was hostile and, you know, I was ready to throw him out. But that's kind of... <laughs> the heart of Dr. Geisler, who was willing to sit there for 15, 20 minutes with this guy one-on-one -on -one and just sit and, and explain things to him. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, and, and that really shows the depth of his heart. It didn't matter who you were or where you came from or, or, again, even if you were hostile to him or very quiet and shy, he spent time with you and wanted to speak with you and, and wanted to learn about you. And that is just Christ just showing through in his life. There's just no doubt about it. There's no other way uh, to put it. Yeah, and that was a tremendous model for many of us. That was, a, I think, a pastor's breakfast. We were there, so... There was about 50 pastors there watching this interaction. It was a great uh, lesson for us. But, you know, Dr. Geisler also mentored hundreds of students, thousands probably, through his books and, and writings. Many who never met him somehow were influenced by him. And whenever I speak with the top apologists out there, you know, William Lane Craig, Oz Guinness, and others, uh, Gary Habermas, of course, they may not agree you know, all with Dr. Geisler. Some may not even like him, you know, but they all had a deep respect uh, and admiration for Dr. Geisler, even even his opponents, you know, uh, those he debated. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. They sure did. Absolutely. There was a tremendous amount of respect for him. Uh, you're right. Whether they agreed with him or not on a particular issue, they definitely uh, paid attention to him and were uh, influenced by him. And he was very gracious to them as well. And one of the things that I remember him emphasizing so important, in fact, this was also emphasized at his funeral by Robbie Zacharias, and it was the fact that he, he taught us to always attack the idea and not the person. And uh, if you disagreed uh, with something, it was to go after the idea. And I know a lot of people uh, on the receiving end of that may have a difficult time separating the idea from the person, but he didn't. He loved the person no matter what, but he would go after the idea. And if it was an apologist who, that was in error or whether it was an atheist that was in error, he still loved the person and was going after and attacking and demolishing the idea. Yeah, he was like a bulldog, man. He just would really continue to go after the issue and continually, you know, reach out to the person uh, individually, <laughs> attacked it like a bulldog when he got on an issue that he felt was very important. Well, he clamped on and, and he really never let go. Yes, yeah, and until it was resolved, and believe it or not, there were issues and controversies that he entered into that he did at least see some uh, resolution to, and, and he, he would let off. I mean, I know on issues related to bodily resurrection of Christ uh, versus it being a spiritual resurrection, uh, he fought battles there and, and won them. And, of course, on inerrancy as well, uh, he never let up on that uh, with respect to it. But there are some minor battles where people did indeed uh, become convinced of his position on those types of things. Indeed, he, he saw that that was uh, indeed uh, a success and, and praised God for it. Yes. Now, you've been with him for, boy, two, almost three decades. You know, what are some of the valuable lessons that he taught you? There's so many of those and in different places because they were the places that he was like for uh, in the environmental work. His work ethic itself was tremendous. And I think one of the things that I learned in, in working for him started working here at Southern Evangelical Seminary in 2001. And we all make mistakes. And I think one of the things that he taught me was to own up to those mistakes. He didn't didn't demand perfection, who would or could. But when you made a mistake, or you blew it, or you did something wrong, you owned up to it, you didn't try to shove it off on someone else or blame 
blame someone else or, or pass the buck, so to speak. You owned up for it. I made a mistake. This is what I did wrong, and I'm learning from it. I think that um, that was something that really solidified in me. I really need to do that. I recognize my own limitations and just own up to my own mistakes and errors and, and things that I make along the way with regards to the work environment. I would also say that with respect to apologetics, probably what I mentioned before uh, is still really extremely important. Not only the, the notion of apologetics being offensive and defensive, but also making sure that we are holding our emotions in check and not going after the person and not attacking the person. I mean, that's an ad hominem fallacy. What we need to do is make sure we've got the idea down and whether we, we might sometimes not like the person or they might be aggressive towards us, but we've got to get to the idea and deal with that. And as Paul says, to destroy every argument and speculation that's raised against God, that's what we're after because we don't want to lose the person at all and who we're dealing with with regards to apologetics. And at least two, two other things I'd like to say that are important that I've learned from him. One, one has to do with scholarship. You may not know this, Pat, but I did my thesis with Dr. Geiser on, on Immanuel Kant. Oh, and my. In the course, yeah, I know. <laughs> and in the course of my, um, and I've rarely shared this with anyone, but in the course of my uh, defense with him, he asked me a question, and the question he asked me is, isn't all that important, but I basically gave the wrong answer to it, and even my answer is not important. But what he did is he, he told me and laid out for me in correcting my answer, he says, this is what you need to do. And what I had basically failed to do was to recognize that Kant had written several books and that I needed to be comprehensive and not just narrow in on what he says in one book versus what he wants in another book, but actually between books. I had to take his view that was in one book and build upon it in another book and build upon it in another book to get a whole comprehensive view of him. And that's really extremely important in scholarship. That's what he did. If you read his his history of philosophy, that's what he did. And that's what he communicated to me. And that's something that I think is, is lacking uh, in some scholarship that is done today is this comprehensive systematic view of a certain thinker today that he was just a master at doing and assimilating and putting it together and the importance of doing that. And I also think that he also was, and this is the final thing, that he really put forward that some issues and some things are just more important than other things. The life and death issues, the issues of abortion here in the United States is more important than many, many, many other issues. I wrote a book with him on cremation. He wrote a book on gambling. Those are important issues, but when compared to something like abortion, abortion being a life and death issue is much more important and really kind of giving you this hierarchy of issues was important and kind of put you in a direction of where our time needs to be spent in changing things and changing people's minds and to get our priorities straight. Yes, you know, that's one of the valuable things that I learned as well. And that's part of having integrity, you know, as a scholar and as a Christian, when we critique others, especially those who don't agree with us, that we fully comprehend what they are saying, understand them and fairly, you know, represent them. That's part of being a man and woman of integrity and a scholar, uh, which is something that he taught us. I re remember that quite clearly. There are a lot of pastors and, and scholars up there that will bash 
someone from the radio mic or from the pulpit. I see it all the time and they don't really, because uh, I'm one of them that get bashed and <laughs> they don't understand the person's position. You know, and that's really disingenuous. And Dr. Geisler made it a point for me that if I'm going to critique this guy, I better really understand what he's saying. So when I get up there, I'm given a fair and critique. And that's being a person of integrity there. I also, you know, remember his humility, how I, as a young speaker, used a lot of flowery, big words because I felt I needed to impress people. And yet when I spoke with him or, or talked uh, alongside him, he's very simple words because he wanted to make sure people understand. He didn't care if people didn't think he was intelligent or anything. He just wanted people to get the message and get the point and understand the argument he was making. And he used very simple words that all of us could understand. And that completely changed my style of speaking. And But also he was great at mentoring. You know, like you said, a lot of books he co-authored. And I've written for a few authors here. And when the book came out, my name was nowhere to be found. Well, okay, yeah. it was a little thank you to Pat Zucaran, maybe in the back or something. Right. I remember co-authoring uh, the Apologetics of Jesus with him, and he gladly put my name right there on the cover next to his. So that's great humility and, and the heart of a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is a fantastic book. I really enjoyed it. And I can remember, I can remember Dr. Geyser talking about his desire to do a book on the Apologetics of Jesus, and you're the one that got to do it with him. And this was even before, uh, before you, had, you had gone to Southern Evangelical Seminary. In class, he talked about, like when he would teach Intro to Apologetics, he would talk about the parable and how Jesus used these as an apologetic, and then he would comment, and one of these days I'm going to write a book on the apologetics of Jesus, and this is what's going to be in it, and he would just kind of go on and on, and then he finally did that with you. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. To listen again, head on over to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners, if you would like to partner with us, please start with prayer. And then to donate, log on to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps hold a conference, give him a call at area code 808-483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism, to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.